Is it possible to catch a miracle on video? Would you feel comfortable sleeping in the same room where a man slit his own wrists? And then we take a look at the absolutely bizarre story, I'm shocked I've never heard of this before, about a woman who is claiming she is the reincarnation of Anne Frank. Is it possible that a writer from Sweden may have proof that there truly is life after death today on Dead Rabbit Radio? Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys have some cool plans for the weekend. I'm going to go see the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, that looks cool. It's been a while since I've seen a superhero movie in the theater, and I like Spider-Man, and I guess in this movie, because you know how they have the different Spider-Men, like the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield and Tom Holland, this is the first movie where they're going to combine the universes, so for the first time on screen, we get to see all three versions of Aunt May, and they say it's like IMAX worthy, <laughs> just these old women walking around, and yeah, so I can't wait to see Marissa Tormey. And Sally Fields, was she one of them? I don't remember. And then the old lady from the Tobey Maguire, Aunt May. And yeah, I cannot wait. It'll be, I, 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 I just can't wait. But I hope you guys have plans. I hope you guys have ant-related plans as well. Speaking of ant-related, it's not, but I need a segue. Coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is one of our legacy Patreon supporters. Everyone give it up for everyone's favorite Ant-Man, Alexander, Alexander Helander. Everyone give Alexander a big round of applause. I'm recording this I'm recording this episode really late at night. I shouldn't clap so loud. Um, Alexander, you're gonna be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Trust me, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. And then let's not get started just yet. Actually, let's give a shout out for this awesome fan art for Fan Art Friday. Take a look at this one. These are miniatures created by one of our Patreon supporters. I'm living in your walls. I'm living in your walls. He posted these up on the Patreon Discord. These are the figures of Jay Sun, the Swamp Wizard. That's me. That's me, the little Mohawk. And then his son, Mungo Jr. Or maybe he just calls him Mungo. I don't think he has a Mungo Jr. But that is his frog son. That's so dope. They're doing a campaign, and I'm an NPC. I'm a swamp wizard with my boy Mungo. That's totally dope. That's amazing, right? Like, who would have thought I would ever be <laughs> be an NPC in some dude's campaign? Hopefully, for all I know, these guys are a bunch of lunatics in each game. They're like, let's see who can torture Jason the most and make Mungo watch. And I'm like, no, I'm trapped in this alternate universe. But amazing. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. I'm living in your walls. Really, really appreciate it. Happy adventures to you and all of your players. Alexander, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed all the way out to an aircraft carrier. It's probably not the best thing to just sneak up on a U.S. aircraft carrier in an unmarked dirgible, but we're going to do it. We're going to live dangerously. I recently got this sent over to me by Carson, longtime supporter of the show. I think he was one of the original listeners of the show, honestly. I think he was like in the original 14 listeners. Really good guy, Patreon supporter, close personal friend, and he always sends me over quality stuff. He sent me this thing over recently. There was this post online where they were talking about 
hey, veterans, anyone in the military, can you think of a paranormal or weird experience you had during your time serving? And who doesn't like to hear stories like this, right? Because at the very least, you're just going to hear maybe some cool war stories, right? And at the very most, you might actually get something. (laughs) You might actually get something paranormal related. So, Carson, thanks for sending this over. Fascinating stuff. First one we're going to look at. I got two of them. It's a really cool list. First one I got was posted by a guy named Silent Implosion. This one was caught on video. And at the time when it was on video, it was National Geographic was doing some sort of documentary. So you had these camera crews on the deck of this aircraft carrier. And it's September 11th, 2003. And we're off the coast of Virginia and there's this aircraft carrier here. And this jet is getting ready to take off. And I put the video in the show notes. You'll be able to watch this. And just watching the video is a miracle. But Silent Implosion gives us a little bit more backstory to this. So what happens is this F-18, people are doing the danger zone stuff. They're like getting down. They're moving their arms up. And then the the pilot's like, is it me I'm supposed to go? This is my first day flying a plane. And they're like, go, go, go. And he starts to go down the flat part of the aircraft carrier, flying into that danger zone. And then the cable, like, snaps. Apparently, there's, like, a cable hooked up to these planes to, like, make them fly. Right? You love this? You love the scientific description? I could have easily done 15 minutes of research on this. I was too busy watching the video. And singing Take My Breath Away. The jet is taking off, and the arresting cable gets stuck, and the plane goes over the edge of the aircraft carrier. Now, not in a good way, because you're like, is that what planes do? They don't stay on the aircraft carrier forever. If you love something, you have to let it fly away. It goes it goes nose down into the water. And I think the dude ejected. I'm pretty sure he's fine. But that's not paranormal. That's just really good technology working the way it's intended. This cable snaps. And Silent Implosion goes, this is what is expected when these cables snap. They whip down the rest of the aircraft carrier. I mean, it's this giant tension thing. And now it's going, don't quote me that it actually made that noise. I don't know if it made a Looney Tune noise. But on video, as this cable is snapping, we see a guy in a yellow shirt, and they're called yellow shirts. He's standing there, and the wire is coming, and he jumps up in the air. He jumps over this super tensed up wire that's now snapped. He jumps over it. He lands. And then he jumps over it again. Now you're watching the video and you're thinking, oh, you know, it's a huge cable. It obviously is enough to like support an F-18. And you may be thinking, you know what? It's a really thick cable. Maybe he saw it coming twice and stuff like that. It's definitely possible. But (laughs) then the camera, this is all caught on video. The camera shows the plane go over. And then the camera kind of, follows along with the cable, and we see the yellow shirt jump twice, and then it continues to kind of pan and follow the cable, and you see people just getting knocked over, because ah! they didn't see it coming. Like, this one guy straight up had his back to it. Yeah, it went, bang. again, don't quote me on the sound effect, but it knocked a bunch of people over. Seven, seven, really, seven or eight soldiers got knocked down. Well, Silent Implosion says, yeah, this is caught on video, but what happened was, he was, on the, he was on the aircraft carrier. And 
he talked to the yellow shirt, and the yellow shirt guy said, I was standing there, because it all happened so fast. This whole thing's happening so fast. He goes, I'm standing there, and imagine this is your job. So eventually, like, the first time you do it, you're probably like, whoa, that's what airplanes do when they take off? Awesome! But then you've been on this aircraft carrier for, like, two years. You're no longer excited by it. You're literally going to turn your back to a billion-dollar piece of machinery defying the laws of gravity. But you're like, whatever. So the cable snaps, and the yellow shirt says, this is what happened. He goes, I'm standing there, and I heard a voice in my head say, jump. So I jumped. I did not know what was coming. I did not see what was coming. I heard a voice say, jump, and I jumped. And when I landed, the voice returned and said, again. And I jumped. The other seven or eight servicemen did have to be lifted off. In Silent Implosion goes, they didn't hear any voices. So it's possible that they suffered injuries, obviously, but maybe this would have killed the yellow shirt, and maybe this was a guardian angel, time traveler. Alter- I mean, isn't that, that's a really cool story, because we have the video evidence. We know that it happened, and now we're getting this paranormal answer for it. It's a really, really cool story. Alexander, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. Let's jump off this aircraft carrier. We're headed all the way out to Fort Sam in Texas. I said in the intro, how would you feel about sleeping in a room where somebody has slit their wrist? Really, sleep in a room where you know someone has died. And I think a lot of people would be weirded out about it. Some people wouldn't be. But... I have a friend in the home lending mortgage business and stuff like that. And they were telling me that every home, (laughs) I'm not going to say her name because I don't, this is part of her business. I don't want to interfere with it. But basically she was saying, in a way, every home, someone's died in it. And there's a reason why every home has someone who's died in it. Where do you want to die? You want to die at home. Most people want to die in their homes, and so they choose to die in their homes, right? And I'm not talking about suicide, but if you're really sick, are you going to go to the hospice? You're going to go to the hospital? You're going to go to the retirement home? Or are you just going to spend the rest of your days in the place you're the most comfortable? So pretty much every living space, unless it's a brand new house, someone's died in there. And the place where they built that brand new house, there was probably hundreds of years of people getting their heads split open and settlers coming and like torching native encampments and all sorts of stuff, right? You'd have all this stuff. You'd have brigands shooting dudes in the back of the skull and stealing their gold. So no matter where you're at, you're basically a high chance to be on cursed land. Just people have been everywhere at this point, but people always are dying at home, but we're not at home. We're not at home, and I think, like, this house, I've talked about being haunted, my my closet's haunted and stuff like that, but because I've made it my home, my energy is here, and it's intermingling with some of the other, other energy here. But on a military base, is it ever really your home? You're basically there, that's where you're stationed, you might have on-base housing, but that's not the situation here. At Fort Sam, apparently, this was posted by someone going by the name 27 Letters. They were saying that they had gotten put on restriction. They were in school in the military. This isn't Dennis the Menace. They were doing this thing, and they got put on restriction. So they were sent to this uh, different facility, this different part of the base, where that's where they were going to be staying at this point. That was going to be their room. And he goes, this room just really had bad vibes. And that would make sense just from a paranormal aspect. 
you'd have a lot of people, this is your career, you're joining the military to maybe leave behind your small town or to start a career in the military, or maybe it's a family gig. And you're, you're in this room because you've done something wrong. You might be getting demoted. You might be getting kicked out of your career. You might be getting fired, right? So there's going to be a lot of negative energy in this room. It's a place where people don't want to be. So he's in there, and there's he has a roommate in this room, and he just gets the weirdest feeling. He goes, I don't like this place. Now, you guys already know a little bit, of you because obviously, I gave it away in the intro, so you guys know a little bit more than this dude. We'll call this guy Mike. One night, Mike wakes up, and he sees his bed buddy. So they're not literally laying next to each other, but there's two beds in there. And his buddy is sleeping in the bed next to him, right? But when Mike wakes up, he sees his roommate standing at the foot of his bed, staring at him. Now, this room's already creepy. It's already not the best place to be. He knows that he's in trouble, so he's not in the best mental state. And he can't figure out why his buddy's just standing there. But whatever, right? <laughs> the military, sometimes it brings in a bunch of wackos, so he just goes back to sleep. Next morning, he wakes up, and his buddy, the, the bunkmate, will call him Larry. Larry goes, hey, Mike, dude. Um, I know that, like, we're cool and all, but what was up with you standing at the foot of my bed last night? Mike's like, what are you talking about? I wasn't standing at the foot of your bed. And Larry goes, listen, dude, I woke up in the middle of the night, and you were standing at the foot of my bed. And I, I was not able to go back to sleep. You were just standing at the foot of my bed, staring at me. It was terrifying. And Mike goes, okay, when did that happen? And Larry said it happened, you know, whatever time. Let's just say 3 a.m. The spookiest time. And Mike realizes that's when he woke up and saw Larry standing at the foot of his own bed, of Mike's bed. So they go, they go to the staff sergeant, they go to the person in charge, whoever it is, and they say, hey, I know we're on restriction and all that stuff, but is it possible we can get another room? Because we already thought that room was spooky, but something happened last night, and we were standing at the foot of each other's beds, and the dude's like, oh, I'm going to stop you guys right there. <laughs> I'm going to stop you guys right there, because I have to sleep as well. That room, I'm not going to say is haunted. Officially, I'm not going to say that it's haunted, but let me tell you what happened. A long time ago, they, pull out, they get a little campfire, they're cooking s'mores all of a sudden. A long time ago, on a day just like this, an instructor got busted down, right? It actually wasn't a long time ago. I looked back over my notes, it was a year ago. This happened the year before Mike and Larry got involved in this. But a year ago, there was an instructor on base who got busted down, was doing something wrong, and got put on restriction and had to stay in this room. And then... They caught him using his cell phone, which apparently you're not supposed to do in the military. Is that a thing? Got put on restriction, got caught using his cell phone, was going to get demoted, was actually going to like lose rank, lose pay. And he was totally freaking out. And everyone, like, he was freaking out so much that other people were like, dude, you need to calm down. Like, you're acting really, really weird. But they couldn't calm him down. They go, it's really not a big deal. Like, you'll just work your way back up. It's not a huge thing. But one day he goes in the room. And the next morning they find him and he had slit his wrist and OD'd on drugs at the same time, which a lot of people do that when they're committing suicide. They'll do more than one. This guy killed himself and because he had OD'd and he slit his wrist, they said there was blood and puke everywhere. So he's vomited up all the toxins and he's bleeding out. And thus ends the life of this instructor. Now, is this story true? We don't know. 
right? We were able to see video evidence of the first one. Is this story true? We don't know. But it's interesting nonetheless. It's creepy. Obviously, anything where you wake up and you're seeing something at the foot of your bed, that's just instinctively creepy because we're in our most vulnerable state. It's interesting that each person is seeing the other person at the foot of the bed. My question would be if they none of them ever seemed to look at the other bed. If they did, was it empty? Like if Larry looked and he saw Mike standing at the foot of the bed and then looked over and saw Mike sleeping, then you would know it was a ghost. But it, but the more disturbing answer would be Larry waking up, seeing Mike at the foot of the bed, and then looking over, and the bed's empty. So that means it really is Mike standing at the foot of the bed. Or this demon, this spirit, this vengeful phantasm has the ability to assume the shape of someone else and hide their original form from view. Both are equally terrifying, right? Both are equally terrifying if a ghost can actually make you not see something that's there. So, yeah, really, really creepy story either way. And uh, again, Carson, thanks for sending that over. And 27 Letters and Silent Implosion for sharing that with us as well. Alexander, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are saying goodbye to Fort Sam. <laughs> They're like, no, we still need a new room. Don't leave us in here. They're locking the door. <laughs> Start the experiments. We're leaving, <laughs> waving goodbye to these guys as they are banging on the door. And these ghosts are sneaking up behind them. Alexander, we're leaving behind Fort Sam. Take us all the way out to Sweden. I got to give a shout out for this story. I had never heard this story. It's still fascinating to me. I think people, longtime listeners of the show know one of the hallmarks of this show is finding stuff that's super obscure. Like, I like to cover stuff that I've never heard of, but every so often I could, and I research this stuff all the time. So if I haven't heard of it, it's. Very likely that most people haven't heard of it. But every so often I come across a story and I'm thinking, how have I not heard this before? How do I not know this story? This seems so... And it's older, right? It's from like the 70s, the 60s, the 70s. It's it's just super weird. Let's just get into it. I'm shocked that I hadn't heard of this. But I want to give a shout out to Brent Swanser from Mysterious Universe. He wrote this... I'd never heard this story before. He recently wrote an article about it. And I got a lot of my information from it. And just... It's awesome that we're st- we are still. I've been in this game for thirty years, more thirty three years at this point, and I'm still learning new stuff. And I love sharing that stuff with you. There's a woman in Sweden named Barbro Carlin, but before she's a woman, she's a baby girl. Me, me, me. And the mom's like holding little baby and goes, "I will name you Barbro because in Sweden that's a normal name." She constantly has nightmares. Oh, no. Mommy, I had the nightmare again. The men in the uniforms took... I don't know why I'm building up the suspense. You've seen the title of... You've seen the title of the episode. I mentioned it in the intro. It was like, long ago, back in 1940s. You guys know You guys know what it is. Barbara Carlin. I, I, had, I had a bunch more notes. I had a bunch more notes where I was going to build this story up. And then it was, you were going to find out that Barbara is actually the reincarnation of Anne Frank. So Anne Frank, quick overview. I'm sure everyone's familiar with Anne Frank, but you, you never really know. Anne Frank, young Jewish girl. The Nazis were rounding up all of the Jews. And her and her family lived in an attic for a couple months. And eventually, uh, the the Nazis found them and pulled the family out of the attic. And she died. She died in the camp. You have that. So, young girl, 
she's writing the diary of Anne Frank. So we get to see this story from this young woman's point of view, this massive historical event from the point of view of a 13 year old girl. And it's a great book. It's pretty much read in every school because on the one hand, it's well-written and it's a great way for kids. It has a lot of good vocabulary for kids to read. Right. And on the other hand, it's a, just a tale of horror in the, resiliency of the human spirit, right? It's, it's just so it works on a literary level and it works just on a human level. So when Barbro, though, she's born in 1954. We all know who Anne Frank is today, but she was born in 1954. The Diary of Anne Frank was written in 1947. And I can't say that it was a huge blockbuster. I don't think many people would read it if it wasn't required reading in school, honestly. So she says, listen, I didn't know about Anne Frank. We didn't really know about Anne Frank in Sweden. Is there a shift from side to side? Because, I mean, maybe not, right? Maybe if you were there at the time you knew about it or when the book was being published, I'm sure there was a lot of publicity. But in 1954, and the story, as far as I know at that time, wasn't required reading in Sweden. It may not even be required reading now. But she says she didn't know who Anne Frank was, but she knew her name was Anne Frank. And she knew that since the age of three. Now, she started talking about being Anne Frank, and she started saying, I have these nightmares about these men in uniforms kicking down the doors and taking me away. And that this is going on for so long, her parents take her to a psychiatrist, and the psychiatrist apparently does not know anything about Anne Frank either, because they go, oh, you imaginary friends, imaginary friends, they just happen, right? Who knows who this person is, who this Anne Frank is? It's a passing phase, she'll get over it. Now, Barbro may have just faded into obscurity at this point and just go, oh, you know, maybe maybe I don't really have these memories. Maybe it is a passing phase, whatever. Or she could have, she could have continued to think she was this person named Anne Frank. But the reason why we're, we're talking about Barbro today, other than her making this claim, is she is a famous author. And she actually, well, in Sweden, <laughs> let me put a little asterisk next to that, in Sweden, she started writing, she's like a wonderkind when it comes to writing. She published her first book of poetry by age 12. And by the time she was 16, she had 11 books published, including prose as well as poetry. And at this point, she kind of stops talking about Anne Frank, not because she doesn't believe it, because it constantly just brings about ridicule and a bunch of questions are being asked. But at this point, I believe they know Anne Frank is real. At one point, they're going through a tour of Europe and they end up in Amsterdam and they go, hey, let's check out the Anne Frank house. Which is weird, right? If you're if you thought your daughter had some sort of mental illness connected to Anne Frank, and then you found out Anne Frank was a real person, and then you just happened to be in the country where the story took place, would you go to the house? I think it would depend on if you thought your daughter was stable enough. But they go to the house. And she's walking around and she goes, Oh, I totally remember this place. This place brings back this place brings back such horrible memories. Uh. And they're walking around and they go upstairs to like the the crawl space, the attic, and she starts to have a panic attack. Oh no, this is uh, it's awful up here. And I guess there was like a smaller room that Anne Frank was actually like hanging out in, like her own little room. And Barbara goes in that room and she opens the door and she goes, "Oh, look at the the photos. The photos of the movie stars are still on the wall." And so apparently Anne Frank, it's been years since I read the book. I, I guess this part's in here. She was cutting out a movie star picture, which is so funny. It just shows how kids never change, right? Basically, she had the equivalent of Jonathan Taylor Thomas photos from Tiger Beat magazine. She had them of stars of the day on the wall. 
And Barbara goes, look, the photos are still here. And she's saying that to her mom. And her mom goes, what photos? And Barbara looks back at her mom. And then when she looks back to the wall, the wall is bare. There's nothing there. I guess that they ended up asking the tour guide about the photos. Like, hey, did there used to be photos on the wall up there. And the tour guide goes, oh, yeah, we actually took them down recently because we had a we're going to put them under glass because people were people were scribbling on them. They're like, oh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, you're the sexiest. They're writing little hearts on there. And so the implication is that she was seen into the past. She was seen through Anne Frank's eyes. And at this point, so now she kind of believes that this is true. Like, she's kind of had some vindication. She had a mild hallucination. So she does, at this point, seems to totally grow out of this belief she's Anne Frank. She joins the uh, Swedish police service as a mounted officer. But while she is moving on with her life, you know, sure, I'm Anne Frank, but, you know, I got other stuff to do now. She's riding her horse, chasing down criminals. There's another officer she absolutely hates. And she's like, I don't know why I don't like that guy, but I just know I hate his guts. And then she finds out. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how she finds out. I don't know if she rummages through her garbage or if she found out surfing the astral plane. But she finds out that this cop that she doesn't like, who she randomly hates, is actually the reincarnation of a Nazi guard. Wouldn't that be interesting? Think about all the people that you've disliked or haven't trusted just instinctively. And we go, ah, it just gives off a weird vibe. What if that person killed us in a past life? Or maybe not killed us, but maybe they cheered on our death. Maybe <laughs> you were some gladiator back in ancient Roman times and you were hacking a lion with a, the sword. There was, a, there was a dude in the stands going, boo, you, lion, eat his nuts, eat his nuts. So... Maybe that's all that explains why all those people you hate, and you don't know why you hate, they wanted a lion to bite your testicles in some past life. That's how you die in every iteration of you. You're like, oh no, you just got a baby pit bull. You're just sitting at home, and the baby pit bull is like cuddling up in your lap. You're like, oh no, the cycle begins anew. So anyways, she said, and then all the memories start come flooding back. She's like, I can't deny that I'm Anne Frank anymore. I just can't. Like, there's a, there's a bunch of Nazis out there, right? There's a bunch of Nazis out there. I'm going to keep running these guys. She ends up writing another book called And the Wolves Howled. And it's her life story. It's a story of two lives. Her story of Anne Frank and her story as Barbro. It's interesting because it's, uh, one of Anne Frank's living relatives, I think Anne Frank's last living relative, kind of co-signed Barbro. They met on a book tour, and he's like, yeah, I do believe that this is the reincarnation of my niece, Anne Frank. Which is a weird, again, a weird claim to make. It does, I don't know how well this man knew Anne Frank. Maybe he knew her very well, and he sees the same mannerisms in Barbro. But today, she wrote this book, and she kind of went on tour, and this was, and it, it was a very, very big story. I'm surprised I'd never heard of this before. And nowadays, though, she left the mounted police. She's like, there's a bunch of Nazis who work from here, and they're like, Oh, we hear that all the time. She leaves the mounted police. She ends up nowadays, she's a horse trainer. She trains horse riders and she does dressage, which is like dancing horse stuff. The horses just like walk around the grass and rich people clap. And then like the horse like jumps. I don't know. So anyways, she does that. It's a fascinating story. I've never heard of it before. I love stories that I haven't heard of. 
reincarnation is one of those things that I think is fully plausible. Like, my belief about what happened when you die, you know, you die, you go to heaven, but I don't know, right? And reincarnation is one of those things that it's not outside the realm of possibility for me. I, I would find it really fascinating to be reincarnated over and over again and, and working through your life struggles. Why would the two be mutually exclusive? Why can't you go through reincarnation until you get it right and then go to heaven? Right? So, so I don't know. I love stories about reincarnation. It's one of those things that I'm definitely open to. I am always a little suspicious, especially when people start pumping out books on the subject about how, how they're reincarnated of you know these great, powerful people. But, you know, Anne Frank not necessarily, <laughs> Frank wasn't necessarily a powerful person. She was a young girl trying to survive in the midst of a maelstrom. And she died. You know, her legacy survived, but she died. It's interesting, though, because as I was reading the story, I thought, shouldn't, if you were the, truly the reincarnation of Anne Frank, don't you think you should be doing better things with your time? Like, if I was reincarnation of, like, Martin Luther King Jr., and I was playing Fortnite all the time, it seemed like it would be a waste, especially if we're looking at reincarnation as moving your soul forward. Like, you would think somebody who faced down evil with such calm, with such childlike calm, because that's what she was, right? Don't you think you would have a responsibility to be like a social leader, to be a politician, to be doing things to make the world a better place, to guarantee that that never happens again? If you're the reincarnation of this great and grand person, don't you have a responsibility to carry on that mission? But then I was thinking about this as well. If you were a little girl, a little Jewish girl, born at really the really the worst time in the worst place to be Jewish, and your entire family was cramped into an attic, and you sat there afraid until people came in and pulled you out of it, and then took you to a camp, and kept you there, your last moments on earth laying on a cot, surrounded by dozens of other people suffering these horrible diseases. The smell and the filth, the fear and the loneliness. If that was the way a little girl's life ended, what better way to enjoy the next existence by spending it riding horses, magnificent beasts, Carrying you across grassy fields. Underneath a crisp blue sky. Maybe the point of reincarnation isn't to make the world a better place in the next life. But it's to experience the joys that were taken from you in your previous existence. I don't know if Barbro's story is real. I don't know if reincarnation is real. But if they are real, what a beautiful way for the story of Anne Frank to continue. No longer a frightened little girl, now a grown woman, experiencing all the beauty the world has to offer.
deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great weekend, guys. Come on, Aunt May, let's go. Ooh, Peter. What? Why'd you say it like that, Aunt May? Well, you're not my Peter. You're from an alternate universe, I guess, but it's not... It's okay. It's okay. I'm not your real aunt. I'm just like, I'm Tobey Maguire's aunt. Oh, well... Yeah, but you're kind of old. Hey, just because there's snow on the mountain doesn't mean there's not lava in the volcano. Aunt May.